Hey, everybody. Before we get started today, I just wanted to remind you that we have a website, greenroomonair.com. Greenroomonair.com. You can find all of my previous episodes there. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends. And uh, hopefully we can continue to build our listenership. I'm starting to get some momentum on this podcast. I'm finding a lot of people who want to be guests. People are contacting me. And uh, hopefully we can continue to grow with your help. Thank you so much for being a listener. And I would like to wish all of you a very merry and happy holiday season. It's been a rough couple of years, and I hope and pray that it gets better for everyone. Much love. Ho, ho, ho. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Ray Renati. How are you? I hope you're doing great. What a wonderful rainy day it is today. We have a great guest for you today. My guest is hooked into the whole Broadway scene. He has a brand new album out called The Shards of an Honor Code Junkie. I love that title. His album, Shards, was under consideration for a Grammy this year, but uh, it didn't make the final list, but just being in the short on the short list is a big deal. Uh, it gained over a million streams in less than a month, and it debuted as the number one musical theater album on Amazon, number two on iTunes, and number 12 on the Billboard charts. That's a big deal. It has uh, surpassed a million streams on Spotify alone, and uh, it was released with ND Reverse Records. His album details his experience growing up as a closeted gay in the Mormon community. Woo! Ooh, that's a touchy subject. Don't want to be a gay Mormon. That's for darned sure. And his name is Blake Allen, and I'll be uh, speaking with him in just a moment here on The Green Room. But before we do that, I need to talk to you about something because I am really, really excited. I went to go see Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, the remake of the Bernstein, Sondheim, Jerome Robbins, Lorenz movie of 1961, although I think that they're saying this is a a remake or a subset of the play, of the musical stage play, but whatever. This movie, and I'm going to say this right now, Spielberg's West Side Story, mark my words, will go down as a cinematic masterpiece. My friends out there in Green Room World, Green... Try to say that 10 times fast. Green Room World, Green Room World, Green Room... I can't do it. In Green Room Land, you must go see this movie, and you have to see it in a theater. It's made... For the big screen. It's a feast for the eyes, a feast for the soul, a feast for the heart, and a feast for your ears. Run. Don't walk to your nearest cinema. Cinema. Buy a ticket or bring a friend and buy two tickets to go see West Side Story. The musical features this wonderful, wonderful new actress. Let's see. What is her name? Oh, I had it here on my screen. I try to get all prepared, and, the, and then I have a hard time, because I'm one of the most disorganized human beings you'll ever know. If you know me, you'll know that. I just, I'm a fly-by-my-seat-of-the-pants kind of guy. 
I don't even think I said that right. Her name is Rachel Zegler. Now, I know that doesn't sound Latino, but she's, I believe she's half Colombian. 30,000 young ladies auditioned for the role of Maria, and she got the part. Let me just say this. She's an angel in a human body. She has the face made for the camera. She's absolutely beautiful. Close-ups love her. She, her acting is ex extraordinary, and her voice is of the heavens. We'll hope we, I hope we'll be seeing more of her in the future and other things. I think she had played the role in high school, and I don't think she'd done much more acting than that. <laughs> I love that. I love it when a non-Hollywood person gets a huge role like that. And one of the special things about this movie is Rita Moreno, who played Anita in the original film. She's now playing a, a new role, and she substituted f the role of Doc. So they substituted her for the role of Doc, who was Tony's, uh, what would you say, um, substitute father in the original movie. And stage musical. Now, if you're not familiar with this, Tony is the equivalent of Romeo in Romeo and Juliet, because West Side Story is the modern-day version of Romeo and Juliet. And Rita Moreno plays his surrogate mother, if you will, because in, in this version, Doc has passed away, and she's still running Doc's drugstore, uh, but Tony has to rely on her because Doc is gone. And uh, Rita Moreno played Anita in the original film. And now, so many years later, 2021, how many years is that? So 1961 to 2001 is 40, and then another 20. So 60 years ago, she played Anita. <laughs> and uh, why did I even have to add that up? I was born in 1961, and I'm 60. Oy, oy, oy. It's interesting. Um, I wonder how that is for her, you know, getting older like that and then playing a very different role, a very different role. Let's see, what is her, what is her name? I forgot her, her name in this film. Um, I'm going to look it up right here in my handy dandy Google IMDb. Forgot her, I forgot what they called her, West Side Story. Uh, her name is Valentina. That's right, Valentina. They even have her singing the Somewhere song, which is usually sang by a voice off stage or Maria through a window when it's done on stage. They had her sing it, which was interesting. It was a nice touch. There was a sort of a montage happening. So there are some other great things about this movie. First of all, let me see. I mean, visually and... Uh, the choreography, the, the visual experience on the screen, the sound, the music, the acting is all superb, absolutely superb. Uh, and there are other things that are fixed. Uh, the, the Puerto Ricans are not white people in brown face, which is nice. They're actual Latino people. Um, they are all given backstories, where a lot of them are. Whereas in the original story, they were not. We really didn't get to know the Puerto Ricans very well, very much at all. In this, in this one, we really get to know Bernardo in depth, and Chino as well, um, and Maria, of course, and Anita. But that's a given. Um, there are n all the racist, anything racist that would be considered just ridiculous now are, are, are gone. There's no more disparaging talk in the lyrics about Puerto Rico. Um, and it doesn't feel like they, they've cleaned it up either. As a matter of fact, 
You could say this is a rather dark West Side Story. It's a rather dark one. Uh, I don't think you'll be leaving the theater dancing. Let me just say that. I left the theater in tears, and it affected me for days. And, and often that's, for me, a mark of a splendid film. Or as uh, <laughs> the latest character on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm would say, splendid film. Go watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I think episode 11 or 12. It's splendid. Anyway, West Side Story, run, don't walk. And now, folks, without any further ado, my guest, the spectacular Blake Allen. So glad you could uh, be here, Blake. I'm so excited to be here. Your, your music from your, from your musical, I, I just loved uh -huh. it. I, I just love it. Want you, so it, it. Want you to tell everybody what it's called? Okay, it's called The Shards of an Honor Code Junkie. Yeah, I love the title. Um, <laughs> Thanks. It's, you know, it's very visual. Yeah. <laughs> the shards. Yeah. <laughs> the shards, yeah, it's like war. Um, Basically, it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the Mormon church, I, I guess it's kind of like war, the Mormon church. I'm sorry. I'm, I yeah. hope I'm not offending any Mormons out there. Well, I mean, if you saw the... Uh, the Book of Mormon musical. I mean, that's way more f potentially offensive than anything I could possibly right. say. <laughs> I mean, what's interesting about the Book of Mormon, the musical, is anything the Mormon characters say or do actually is 100% honest and true. And what Trey Parker and Matt Stone are really brilliant at is using truth as humor. Like in this song, I believe, he says, I believe that God lives on a planet called Kolob. Which, if you don't, if you've never heard that before, it just sounds completely wild and it's funny. But if you're a Mormon seeing this show, you're like, I do believe that. <laughs> so that's an actual part of the war. There is a planet called Kolob in Mormon in the Mormon religion yeah, or Latter Day Saints. That's, that's that's where God lives. Yeah, on a I planet didn't... called Kolob. You know uh, what really struck me about your music? Well, so many things. I mean, there's one thing that I love is the woman doing the narration. Mm. Oh yeah. What is her name? Her name is Allison Frazier. She's, uh, she's a theater legend here in New York. She's been nominated for a bunch of Tonys. Um, yeah, and I wrote that specifically for her because I saw her do a one-woman show called Squeamish where she sat in a chair for 90 minutes and just like spoke very quietly and told the story. And I was like, I have to use that. I have to use that skill she has to kind of bring people in and let them talk from her hands. So, yeah. I don't know what it is about her voice, but it, yeah. it draws me in and it creeped me out. I mean, <laughs> Good. That's you know, I mean, <laughs> um, I don't know if you used any special like equalization or anything on the on her. Um, but it was I, I, I'm trying to think of what it reminded me of. It, it reminded me like the of the nuns in Catholic school or something. Or oh, maybe yeah. it was just her attitude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I um our producers told her to be very like exactly that, like very controlling. Yeah. You know, at the same time being like a mother reading a story, but yes! like, she's the puppet master in a weird, creepy way. It's brilliant. It's so yeah. creepy and it draws you in and you're like, Oh my God, this is like, it's the feeling it creates. I can see why you're now your, your, uh, your album did really, really well right away. Right. I mean, it was yeah, number one was on Amazon and, it was number one on Amazon. It was number two on iTunes. Um, it was the number one new musical theater album on the Billboard's charts. 
you know, we're never going to beat Hamilton, but it was the number one new one. Um, so yeah, I did. I think that people really are receptive to the like universality of the story. And I think that people haven't heard anything like it before. So I think it's interesting. How did everyone hear about it? I, I hadn't heard about it. <laughs> was it all word of mouth? Was it? I Yeah, I think it was word of mouth. Um, I think it kind of, because of the subject matter, I think there was a lot of people who listened to it in Utah. It got a lot of plays and a lot of purchases in Utah and like the surrounding area. Um, and so I think that people told their friends and it just kind of like uh, percolated through that kind of society. And then of course here in New York, in the theater community, because of the people that are on the album, there was interest. And so, yeah, I just think it was a word of mouth situation. Yes, yes. And I'll, I'll probably say this in the intro, but just in case, I want everyone to know what we're talking about if they just like skipped ahead of where, yeah. you know, my beginning rant. Um, we're talking about, <laughs> this is Blake Allen, and, and he is a, uh, a composer, I guess you would call yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Or a musician. Yeah. Uh, he, he has an album called The Shards of an Honor Code Junkie, which is a musical theater piece. Mm -hmm. And what would you say it's about? I mean, I know what it's about, but let, let right. me let you tell everyone. <laughs> it's an autobiographical story. So it's my story, but it's, it's about a boy who grew up gay and goes to Brigham Young University, the Mormon University in Provo, Utah. And through following the Honor Code rules um, or breaking them, uh, the character learns how to find self-love through the traumas that happen. Yes, yes. It's it's brilliant. And, you know... Thank you. And, and one of the things, because I, I, I've been listening to musical theater for a long time, I'm a musical theater performer, and what I tell you, I can tell you about this, and I'm so glad that I met you, um, is one of the things that you do really, really well, and, and this is just one of them, is your music matches the emotionality and the the intent of the song like sort of like oh, sondheim wow. or brecht oh, uh wow. thank you i'm totally i mean yeah. it's so damn good oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah uh i hope are you are do you think that um is this are you trying to do a production of this or yeah i mean that's kind of um that's that's been my goal. I know you you've know, done readings, but done yeah. readings and done concerts, and then yeah. you know I kind of I learned how to. Uh, I was in an okay place to release this, you know, because it's my story. I had to sorry, my dog's talking. I no, it's okay. Be, oh, I had to be okay to um, tell my story. Yeah. And so I, I but I, I wanted to make sure that it was told the first time anyone heard it in the way I wanted it told. So yes, of course I want it to be on the stage, but I really yeah. wanted it to be presented for the first time as this audio format, as an audio book, so that I kind of had complete control of the narrative. Great, I see. Yeah, and, and oh, okay, so that's that's why it's so great to listen to because a lot of musical theater pieces aren't designed uh, to to listen to in that way. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's what I I think that's why I really one of the reasons I really like listening because I could tell it was produced to be listened to in in its entirety. Uh, oh yeah, it's not a yeah. it's not a shuffle album. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was inspired by those old Disneyland records, like Jungle Book, where there was the narrator and it goes in and out of song. Like that was really where that idea came from. Ah, uh, okay. I love I love old vinyl. And yeah, so I have a lot of those old storybooks. Oh yes, I have a bunch of those in my closet. I was just telling my wife I got to pull these things out. 
and, yeah. and get my my old my old turntables out and I have two of them. I don't know which one works and listen to them again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when did this come out? Uh, the album came out in September of 2021, so just to, it's three months old, almost three months old. But I started working on it in 2012. Um, so it's been almost 10 years of development to get to the point of releasing the album. So you had some readings early on in like 2015. and Yeah. So I, I, I was an artist in residence at the Banff Center in Alberta, Canada, which is where I finished the first complete draft. And then I spent a year working on it and tinkering it with it and like finding the correct voices. And then we had a actor's equity reading in 2015 and then a 54 below concert. Then we had a Trevor project concert in 2017, which was actually the 10th anniversary of my friend's suicide on that same day. So to raise money for Trevor project. And then during right. the pandemic, I was like, now is the time I, ha I released the classical album in the pandemic that was also successful, mm -hmm. thankfully. And so I kind of used the momentum from that to be like, okay, now I'm ready to tell the story. Well, I'm so glad you did. And I, I, oh, I can't wait to see it on a stage. And I will fly back there. And I will, I will uh, love it. Um, yeah. So, who are some of the the performers that you've worked with? And uh, uh, who are the people on the album? So we've talked about Allison Fraser, and then um, Teal Wicks. She, you know, was Alphabet and Wicked. She was in. She was Cher in the Cher Show. Um, I specifically wrote that role for her because I saw she plays the role of my sister or it's called girl I saw her in a concert and it just it was scary how much she looked and sounded and acted like my sister so I wrote I wrote the role for her and then um Michael Lowney he plays the main character um he was in Lacage. then Christy Cates who is also in Elphaba she was Elphaba in Chicago she plays the mom um Drama Desk Award, Kuhu Verma, who was just in Plan B on Hulu. Um, she's kind of one of the friends. So I, I really worked with people I knew and have like cultivated a relationship outside of this album. So there's no one on the album I have not worked with before in some capacity. That makes things a lot easier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you didn't have to have auditions or anything. You just you just ask people to be on it. Yeah, I mean, I guess their audition was having worked with me before in a weird sense, but no, I just asked them um, because it was kind of, you know, it, because of the subject matter, because it's such a personal story, I wanted to have people I trusted who also trusted me and we were at the height of the pandemic. So, you know, we were in a, this would be four vaccines. So we got tested and we were social distancing. So there also had to be that element of trust. So like Jay Harrison G, who right now is in Mrs. Doubtfire, he's a close friend of ours, me and my spouses. And so it felt very nice to like be safe in the studio with someone I knew. Yes, I, I've experienced that here in San Francisco too. There yeah. were a lot of um, Zoom performances and things and yeah. it was mostly just people who knew each other. It's like, how are people getting all right. these things? Well, oh, it's just their friends. Okay, good. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad that that's ending. Oh man, the whole Zoom thing. You know, watching oh, musicals know, right? on Zoom. Ugh. I mean, I, I I did one of those, you know, in, in April of last year. 
I was approached by someone to write like a 30 minute one about someone who was trapped on a boat. So we've all done it. <laughs> That's great. Um, now, the, the, the musical is inspired by a tragedy in your life. Your best friend commits suicide. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what yeah. can you what can you tell us about that? I mean, I know it's not a happy subject, but it's, oh, it's no, it happened. Um, it happened, and you know his in the macabre way, his death kind of gave me life because it made me realize how special life is. Um, so, because of being gay and going to BYU, where you I wasn't allowed to be gay, I you know could have been kicked out just for even presenting myself as a gay person in the world. Um, when my friend died by suicide, I didn't really confront the trauma that it had created. And then I kind of pushed it down, you know, pushed it in the drawer and then graduated, went to grad school, moved to New York city. And then at the fifth anniversary of his death in 2012, I was like, I still have not, like, it's still affecting me. And I saw it like trickling out in parts of my life. I didn't want it to. So then my therapist told me to, why don't you turn that trauma and start writing? Cause you're a composer, you're a musician, like just write what you feel. So I started with, there's a song on the album called The Wasteland, which is right after the suicide. And it's my like reaction to my friend not being there, to God um, deserting me, to like myself deserting myself. And so I started there and then that really helped. And so I just kept writing and used my journal entries from the time as inspiration and just kind of, developed it from that focal point well you can tell when you listen to it that, that there's so much heart in it and it's Thanks. you know it's so sad that that happened but it's so great that you were able to use this tragedy to make something so beautiful for all of us Thanks. and healing for you i it sounds like yeah well, it, not even just healing for me. I mean, I'm very grateful. I it has helped my healing process, but it's helped my family. It's helped other people who were at BYU. It's um, you know, I get messages. I would say several times a week from current students who are sharing their stories with me secret, secretly, or even people who aren't Mormon who are sharing similar. You know, they grew up um, Jehovah's Witness or they grew up in an intense Catholic and they have similar stories. So that's what I wanted from the album is a dialogue and to kind of um, bring some comfort to people so they don't have to experience the same thing I experienced. That's great. I mean, what a great service that is. You know, oh. yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> so I'm, I'm also interested in, I'm here in San Francisco and uh, I have a lot of friends in the uh drag uh community because I, I do cabaret singing and there's a huge oh, yeah. drag um community here in the, in the city and do do and i know that you're married to a pretty well-known drag performer right or your yes, partner I'm married, to marty gold, I'm married to marty gold cummings um they ran for city council this past cycle um yes yeah, so they were the first non-binary candidate and first drag queen candidate in new york city's history um and they did really well, you know, it was a steep climb. They ended up getting second on uh, election night. So that's pretty good for a first time when you are a queer representative. Yes. You know? Wow. So we're very impressed. Did they run um, as the, as, as the, as the character, <laughs> you know, I mean like, yeah, what, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> I'm not sure how to say this. Uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, because okay. everyone has like two personas when you're in drag. 
Yeah, how did how did so, they run? Um, I mean, I, so Marty's name in and out of drag is Marty. So it's oh, okay. their, their drag name, unlike most people, like ah, Bob well, that's good. Queen, that's now Bob the Drag Queen's real name in real life. So Marty's name as a drag artist or as themselves is Marty. Oh, good. So, so it was kind of synonymous. Sometimes they like, you know, when they interviewed uh, Kirsten Gillibrand when she was running for president during Marty's campaign, Marty was in drag. So it just kind of depended on what the event was. Um, and because that's Marty's profession. So, um, Marty's campaign manager, I think really wanted people to be like, not to have Marty not shy away from that. Yes. Well, that's great. And I, I, I guess that's exactly what I was wondering was the name. Yeah. So that, that's, that's yeah. very convenient, <laughs> especially if you're running for public <laughs> office. It's like, wait a minute. I thought yeah. that person's name was wait, uh, what else? Yeah. Do, do you know any of the, uh, the drag performers out here? Um, I kind of know Meatball a little bit. I like met them. Um, I don't know who has moved out there. Um, I'm sure like, if I saw a list, they'd be like, I know this person and this person, but I can't. Think I think of... Donna Sachet is probably the most famous. I don't know if, you've, yeah. if you know her. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, there's just so many people. <laughs> I don't know. It. I mean, I was looking yeah. yesterday. It's like, oh, my God, I didn't even hear of these people. Yeah, yeah it's a huge, huge deal out here. Now, are are you still up for a Grammy, or has that already been voted on? Um, it has already been. I didn't get the nomination, but I got on the long list, which is, you know, it's the first time that's happened for me. So that's a huge deal for me. And it means a lot that people even cared enough to want that to happen. Um, but I, I was not nominated. Oh, okay. Well, at least you were on the list. I mean, come on. Oh, my gosh. I know. Right. I'm like... I mean, the people who are nominated, it's like Burt Bacharach, Angela Weber, Les Mis. So it's like, you know, there's no way you're going to be nominated against those people. Well, you never know. You never know. Once in a I while, know, you never know. once in a while, someone sneaks in, gets past the politics. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you seen the new West Side Story movie yet? I have not. I'm seeing it on Monday. Ah, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I really want to see heard, it. I've heard it's really, really beautiful. Yes, that's what I've heard too. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's I, yeah. Go ahead. And there's so many people um, that I know that are in the film. Oh, you know, the dancers like I know I know several of the sharks, and it's it's really fun to see. Just like back in the 1960s in the other film, to they're using um, they're using the the New York Broadway community, you know, in the film. Wow, I mean, I'm getting kind of nervous now because I'm actually talking to somebody who knows some like big people, and who oh, and you're uh, a big star yourself. <laughs> I'm I, I'm kind of kidding. Um, well, I'm not really kidding, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I I actually was in a, a production of West Side Story from New York here, um, in the Bay Area, like, gosh, 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, I played Shrank. And um, the guy at the dance, I forget his name. Oh, yeah. The terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible uh, detective shrank and who yeah. <laughs> make, who's just awful, abusive to Maria. I mean, it's just awful. Um, yeah. it's, what a great show that is. Yeah. It's such a good show. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. So um, I was curious, did you, what, did you see the changes that they made to the Book of Mormon? Or did I you hear about? I have not seen it. Yeah. No, I I, I had heard um, 
just from like social media, there were specific people talking about how thrilled they were that there were changes. Like it was about time, but I don't know what the changes were. Oh, well, I think that they, they, um, there's a scene where one of the African people was trying to write an email with a typewriter and they, uh, and they changed that to an iPad or something because it made her look oh. really stupid. And then there was a part where there was like a, a white slave owner who was putting some other slaves down and, and they made it so that one of the female slaves was doing it. So it looked like they had their own, you know, power. And I, yeah. I, I, this, I just found it like, I mean, I just, I just find it interesting. I was, we're, we're holding a microscope to all these things now and yeah. I'm not yeah. sure how I feel about it, honestly. Uh, I mean, sometimes yeah. I think it's a good idea and sometimes I think it's, they've gone too far. But I mean, did you I, have I to? Did you have to do that? Did you have to do? Did you have to? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, I, I don't. Remember. I I saw Book of Mormon before it opened. Yeah. So I don't really remember what was in it. Except it's hard to remember. Morning. I mean, it just yeah. goes so fast. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. Now, when you when you wrote this uh, show, the shards of an honor code junkie, did you like? Did you have to take into consideration that all the uh, the things that we're more sensitive to now? In terms of race and gender and and those types of things, yeah, for for sure. Um, so, the director of the Trevor Project Benefit in 2017, Zai Alakan, who's amazing, um, he teaches at Juilliard. He uh, he was my script consultant on this, so we really worked with like making sure. Oh, and he um, is POC, so we worked to make sure that like everything was handled appropriately because you know there's rape on the album there's suicide there are you know jay harrison is a performer of color and he plays the villain so we wanted to make sure that like everything was being treated with respect through this new lens including including the mormon church because like um in previous uh previous versions of this it was much more of an attack on the church where now it's just my story and my relationship with the honor code at BYU, as opposed to saying the church is bad or the people who go to the church are bad. It's now just like really the, the document, the honor code at Brigham Young University is the villain. I really worked to make sure. And, and what is the honor that. code? Um, every student, whether you're Mormon or not, you have to sign uh, the honor code, which has eight rules. Um, every semester, you have to go to a, an ecclesiastical leader, like your bishop or a priest or something, and you have an interview. Things like be honest. There are rules about um, you can't be in uh, an apartment of the opposite sex past midnight. You can't be anywhere in the apartment except for the living commons. You have to wear uh, clothes that are modest, like clothes down to the knees. Um, you can't drink alcohol, can't drink coffee, all that stuff. And I'm so, sure yeah. that you followed all those rules to the T, I right? I did not. No. And that's, <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of what the album is about, is about how by the character Boy, how he breaks every rule in order to like learn how to self-love. Yeah. Great. If that makes sense. Yeah, oh, it does favorite, make sense. My favorite one. It's so, it's so weird. It's called, um, it's the last rule. Encourage others in their commitment to comply with the honor code. Oh, geez. And that, that means if you know someone who's breaking the honor code, if you don't turn them in, you're breaking the honor code. And so there's this like, <laughs> there's this weird um, 
like big brother aspect of being a student there. Like you can't even trust the people you live with. Um, like my, one of my friends, uh, so she's female and he's a guy and he's gay. So like whatever. And it was coming close to midnight. So and it was winter. So he left and then it hit midnight and then he forgot his jacket. So then my friend opened the door and he took three steps in, grabbed the jacket off the couch and left. And her roommate turned her in for breaking the honor code because she was so guilty about like, oh my gosh, I know my roommate broke the honor code. Like, what do I do? So she turned her in. And then my friend got in trouble for having a boy in her apartment at like 1201. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) That is some, this is at Brigham Young. Yeah. Wow. That is scary. Gosh. Yeah. On top of like having to get good grades and like, you know, being a musician on top of that, you're like living this kind of very intense, you know, regime style life. Now, what about people who go there who aren't Mormon? I have. They still have to follow the rules. They still have to follow the rules, but I think it's a little bit easier for them because their ecclesiastical leader doesn't have to be Mormon. So like imagine being Episcopal and going to the Episcopal priest and being, and he's like, are you following the rules? Cool. Like, oh, I like, see. Like, <laughs> are you following a blind eye thing going on here? Right. If you're a Mormon, you go to a bishop, it's going to be like, are, are you having sex outside of marriage? Are you having coffee? Are you, are you having any unclean thoughts? Like all that rigid stuff. I was brought up Catholic. It sounds really similar. Mm-hmm. Except for the turning each other in part. I don't, I don't remember yeah. that we had that. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a BYU thing, right? That's not, oh, okay. Um, and that's like where I really worked to make sure that everything was really clear on the album because that, yes, BYU has the same rules as the Mormon church, but it goes like steps further. Like you don't have to turn people in in the Mormon church to be a, a good member of the church. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, so you, part of you, what you're doing is benefiting the Trevor project, you said, right? Um, yeah, in 2017, we had a concert that raised money for the Trevor project. And what is the Trevor project? Can you tell people what that is? Cause I think it's a great thing. The Trevor project is a suicide hotline for LGBTQ youth. Um, or really anyone who is, suffering from suicidal thoughts or suicidal tendencies. So like you don't have to be part of the LGBTQ community to call the number, but that's just like they specialize in queer youth. Um, and, and it's wonderful. They have, um, and, and the reason I chose the Trevor project back then was I didn't know it existed. My friend didn't know it existed. And like, had we known it could have been a wonderful resource for my friend, you know? So Seems like things are changing, and I, I hope they keep changing for the better for LGBTQ people. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think I think it. I I think it's two steps forward, one steps back. Like right now, we're fighting. Even in New York, we're fighting for our trans brothers and sisters. Um, you know, twenty twenty was the, or this was it twenty twenty one, either twenty twenty or twenty twenty one was the deadliest um, year on record for trans people. And even in New York State, the walking while trans bill just got eradicated like last year, which meant if you were wearing clothing of an opposite sex, you could be arrested. And it was a way to like target sex workers and trans people um, so the police could arrest them because, oh, you're wearing someone of the opposite sex's clothing. 
So that got eradicated last year. Well, thank so we God. Still have a long way to go. So I know. Well, thank, thank God. In San Francisco, you don't even have to wear clothes. So, you know, that's not a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> um, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's people, there's guys in the Castro I, I know that walk around naked every weekend if it's warm enough. It's it's hilarious. I mean, to me, it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. I, I I mean, yeah, of course. I don't know why. The other day, the other day, I was over there with my wife, and we were listening to a friend friend of ours sing on the street. She had a permit, and she's really good friends with one of these naked guys. And he uh -huh. just came up and started talking to my wife, like she was sitting in it, sitting in his waist was like. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it was it was hilarious. <laughs> anyway, um, that's another issue. So I think it's time for a break. And uh, why don't we listen to one of the beautiful musical numbers on the shards of an honor code junkie. This is a short clip of the tune called The Wasteland. on anything right now anything new yes um is it a secret uh, i i mean no it's not a secret uh i just so I, i've been touring with tina burner uh we have we're doing shows she's a drag queen um but i'm working on a my next album hopefully it happens is going to be two short mini musical theater operas one is about it's like a f scott fitzgerald short and one is another short there it's going to be called insomnia and it has to do with like the difficulty of sleep and like what happens when you have a lack of sleep so it's going to be like one person and one person so only two singers oh okay kind of like the last five years but around insomnia uh i mean yeah, sure they don't interact at all they're just two they're just two completely isolated like 30 minute 30 minute pieces oh for, um, oh okay i got you yeah yeah for singer string quartet and piano that's kind of what my idea is and I've, I've been working on that so i have insomnia oh i did quite too. often uh, wake up every day at four and then my list of anxieties are running through my head oh see i got the same damn thing yeah. i wake up at yeah. uh, i go through like one sleep cycle and then i wake up and then i have to mm -hmm. half the time i have to get up for like an hour and then i go oh, yeah. and it sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was talking uh, to people about like why do lots of people wake up between three and four thirty every day? It's like a very yeah. common thing yeah. with our anxieties, and apparently it has to do with our evolution. Mm -hmm. Back when we were hunters and gatherers, um, that's when the wolves would strike. Oh, and so we, like we evolved to wake up at that time to protect our family. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's just 
something that's been sticking around. Wow. Thank you, wolves. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I bet we know some of the same people. I, I don't want to start name dropping. Well, maybe I will. <laughs> do you know Sutton Foster? Not personally. I know oh, of her. I do. I know her personally. Oh. I, I worked with her once. I was the photographer and she was um, working this big benefit out here for a company that I work with. And I'm good oh, friends yeah. with James Monroe, Eigelhart, and Oh, um, I know somebody you might know. Do you know Michael Baldorama? No? no. Oh, there's so many yeah. people in New York. Forget there's, it. I won't do so this. Many, uh, I mean, yeah, doing yeah. this is like the stupidest thing I ever... I, I, I forget yeah. it's New York. Like in San Francisco, yeah. people actually know each other. Right. <laughs> but in New York, there's like thousands of performers. <laughs> like, what am yeah. I doing? Do you know Leslie Margarita? Do you know <laughs> <Luca>? <laughs> It makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's the last time I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know of those names. I just don't know them personally. Yeah. I've, maybe I've met them at a gala, but like, we're not, we're not friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's it, what's it like being married to, um, to, to a drag performer? Is there, I, because I'll tell you my, uh, for me, like I've been in a couple of shows with drag performers and like they're on stage with their persona. And then like when they're tired, they get backstage. <laughs> and it's so hilarious to see a guy in a dress, like letting his voice drop. Oh, yeah. Sitting like a man, you know, man, man spreading. Yeah. I it yeah. just the most. I I just find it like so much fun, and I don't know. I it, it must be like so much fun. I don't know. It just seems like fun yeah, to I me. Mean, I mean, I I feel like drag is just so much part of my life because I'm married to Marty and the touring with Tina. Yeah. Um, but with with marty their um persona I, I would say that marty's exactly the same whether they're in drag or not but drag is just a little heightened like they go into performer mode so when um when yeah so when marty's home you know marty doesn't like to be in drag at, outside of the gig they'll get ready at home or get ready at the gig and then we'll take it off when the gig's over um yeah it was much more interesting during covid when like Marty was performing a lot on Zoom, and so like the drag character was at home a lot more. That was an interesting experience. But you know, we're we're very lucky that we have space uptown, and so Marty has a drag room, so everything's kind of like behind a door, which I think also helps. Oh, that's good. That's good. I yeah. see. That makes sense. Yeah, they, um, they can keep their mess behind the door. Yeah, right. Keep their makeup ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the all the accoutrement of being a drag. <laughs> performer um now it if uh, hopefully this goes into performance like is there a book written or would you just use the nar narration that's on there mm. there is a book mm -hmm. um and let me just say well book for those who don't yeah. know book means like the script the talking part of yeah. a musical yeah yeah right. so this is definitely a book musical um it has been edited down for the storybook format. Like I really wanted it to be like an LP, you just with one turnover. Um, but there's really not much missing. Um, just a lot of like action, like dialogue that would have to happen to understand the action because um, Alison Frazier really is acting like stage manager a little bit. Um, like this happened, like, you know, a white feather floats down from the sky. That would just be an action thing, right? But there is a book. Um, there's a lot more dialogue between boy and the friend who commits suicide. There's a lot more of that. And then there's a lot more to do with um, like the protest when soul force happened, 
to like change the rules and there's a lot more to deal with like the actual um rape scene those are kind of like the big ones that are missing it's called the shards of an honor code junkie you can listen to it on spotify uh can they buy it can they can we buy it mm-hmm. and you how do we buy, buy it, it? On itunes or amazon mm-hmm. um but also if you go to my website blakeallen.org you can actually buy physical copies ah and it, and i mail them and we also have um like cassettes that are like a usb cassette so like if you don't have a uh, a car that has a CD player. Yeah, you can also like get a cassette with a USB. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because there's so many people. A lot of people don't have CD players anymore. Yeah, I know. yeah. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> I have an external one because I needed one because the p- computer I oh, built I didn't have one. I know. Yeah. Now, now you're working with uh, a performer from RuPaul's Drag Queen show. Yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag Season Race. 13. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, T- Tina Burner. Okay. So she's a New York legend. Um, she's my height. I'm 6'6. Six, six. She's about 6'5. She's much, has wider, she's like a linebacker in drag. That's kind of her joke. <laughs> um, and so we, I've been, I met her years ago when we were on a show called Shane Queens of, Shade Queens of NYC yeah. together. And then we do, um, we turn cult classic films into cabarets. Like we are currently doing how the bitch stole Christmas, which is based upon the Grinch. And we, um, but we have a show called maybe this time, which is her life story with Broadway songs. And we're touring the world with that right now. Oh, great. And where, where are you going to be next? And where are you coming up? We we are going to be, we're having a little tiny break for the holidays and then we're Mm -hmm. going to be in Canada. So Edmonton, Vancouver, Mm -hmm. That's where we're going to next in January. And then we're going to Orlando and Tampa, Palm Springs. We were just in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Wow. Which has been my favorite. That's been my favorite stop, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Well, because of the people. Because the people that we stayed with were so nice. They like, I don't know. They picked us up from the airport. It was really, really, it was really great. There's like this random, like really good drag community in this tiny town two hours north of Little Rock. Yeah. You know, I you when I went, used to have to go to Utah, mm-hmm. I found similar thing. Like if I went, I was younger, so I would go to bars and stuff. It was, yeah. it was much more like, uh, like uh, there was only a couple of places you could go, you know, and like it's in Salt Lake yeah. and the people were just more like, it had more cohesion, you know, uh, because yeah, for sure. they're like against the 99% of everybody else who doesn't want them to be there. Right. It, was, it was, it was a lot of fun whenever I had a blast every time I would go to Utah um, yeah. or Salt Lake city. That, that Utah has that weird alcohol law where all alcohol is like much less. Yeah. So the beer yeah. has like 2%. Or yeah. It's the four, like two beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like weak, weak cider. You <laughs> right. level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so can they find the schedule uh, for your performances with with her on your website? Well, oh, I should not on my website, but um, oh. it's usually on Instagram. So uh, oh, okay. I can go to the Tina Burner, T-H-E-T-I-N-A-B-U-R-N-E-R or mine, which is Blake Allen Presents. Okay. B-L-A-K-E-A-L-L-E-N Presents. Okay. On presents. Instagram. Okay. Yeah, that's we, we post where we're going to be. Okay. I'm, I'm just writing this. I'm going to put it in the notes so everyone can see right. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great. So, the shards of an honor code junkie. Everybody, check it out. Spotify, or if you want to really help out, buy the the uh, the CD or the USB plug thing, whatever you call yeah. those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's been great talking to you, Blake. Thank you. Oh, I've had such a great time. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and thanks for asking good questions. You're welcome. Take care. Uh, have fun in San Francisco. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Blake Allen. I know I did. What a great, talented young man he is. I'm looking forward to listening to all of his future work. I hope, I hope his show makes it to Off-Broadway or Broadway one day. I'll be the first, the first one on the plane heading to New York City, the Big Apple. Thanks so much for listening. If you've made it this far, you are a trooper, and I love you. And I want to wish you a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. And um, I'll see you soon. I'll talk to you soon. We have some more guests lined up. I have a couple in the hopper. I still need to, to post and edit. And remember, if you like this show, please tell your friends. And if you don't like it, tell your enemies. See, I win either way. And have a merry, merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year. Ho, 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 ho. And until next time, I will see you on the boards. Hasta la vista, everybody. Keep safe. Feeling weary. Feeling weary.